Good morning. I'm Wimala, and today's June the 9th. Beautiful summer day here. Um, we finished yesterday reading Lama Yeshe's wonderful book, The Expanded Edition uh, of Becoming Your Own Therapist. So expanded means it included the short uh, Make Your Mind an Ocean. So we just finished those. And today, after we sit, I'd like to read from not the entire book, just one part that I found. Ten Lessons to Live By is a chapter in the biography of Deepa Ma. And many of you may have heard of her. Maybe you've even you met her. Um, she died, I think, in 89, but she was a teacher of Sharon Salzberg and Joseph uh, Goldstein before they started the uh, Insight Meditation Society in Bari, Massachusetts, and uh, brought brought the uh, popularization of the of a meta meditation back to the states. And she was a wonderful teacher and was known for teaching people loving kindness and metta and she was considered a saint or an enlightened person by many of her teachers and had a has a amazing life story and visited i think the uh, the retreat center there at Bari um, two or three times before she died. So I want to read from that, but first let's sit and just get our minds clear and relaxed. Tap into that uh, ocean that we have available to us, the, the ocean of our mind and get beneath all of the superficial noise, you know, that's in our that then that's in our mind. So just relax. But let your body hold you. If you're sitting, let your spine hold you up, support you. Just become aware of your breath as you let your body relax and soften. But you want to be very awake, very alert, but relaxed at the same time. And we typically, in our practice, close our eyes just to give us a little relief from the visual, the visual world that's uh, going on all the time. We keep our other sense doors open and we usually see some light through our eyes, they're not completely uh, inaccessible to us. So let your hands rest comfortably in your lap, either palms up or palms down. And if you're very, uh, feel restless, it's good to start your practice with a few deep breaths in and out just to bring yourself to the present moment. Let go of anything going on around you.
Let those be like a cleansing breath. And then come back to just being aware of the breath, the body breathing for you. Coming back to the breath is our home base. So whenever you become distracted in your day or during meditation, just remind yourself, come back for a few breaths just to be with the breath. We learn to do this on the cushion when we're sitting or practicing, but out in the daily world we can do exactly the same thing. If you see yourself become overly distracted or feel like you're losing it, just remind yourself, come back to the breath, stay with it for a bit. When we talk about being with the breath, we want to be aware of each breath we take in and each breath out. Then we can become curious about our breath. We can investigate Just be curious about each breath you take to help you stay with that focus. Is it a long breath? And suddenly it may be a shallow breath. Another breath may feel very deep and another short. Our natural breath just changes. It doesn't stay the same.
If you feel tension in your body, just say, let go. Remind yourself. Over and over, you can say to yourself, just let it go. Anything you're holding on to too tightly, just let it go. Whenever you feel distracted, just come back to the breath. And otherwise, just be with your breath. Just be with your body. Whatever arises. Stay with an awareness. As thoughts rise up, just be okay with the thoughts, but don't get attached to them. Don't start making a story from your thoughts. Just let the thoughts rise up and pass away just like a sound may suddenly come out of nowhere, then it eventually passes away. The nature of everything is to rise up, stay for a bit, and then pass away. Move on.
Everything is temporary. Everything has a time. And then it changes. So now as we come to an end of our sitting practice, we can share merit, we create an intention for our day as we do this as well. May everything I do and say and think today be done not only for my own benefit, but also for the benefit of all sentient beings, all beings throughout the universe. Thank you. There was, uh, there was some noise outside my apartment. I hope I closed. I had to get up two times and shut the door a little bit. It was, uh, it was an angry neighbor. So, I'd like to read just this one uh, part of, from the book of... This is the book called Deepa Ma, The Life and Legacy of a Buddhist Master by Amy Schmidt. And... Uh, Sharon Salzberg, Joseph Goldstein, and Jack Cornfield all write uh, write about their experiences with her because they those are the three who started Insight Meditation Society here in America after they were taught by if they were in India and Burma uh, they all were taught and also uh, in Thailand they learned meditation with uh, Goenka right after he came back to India. And uh, I think Joseph Goldstein was uh, also a student of Buddha Dasa in Thailand. So um, Amy, Sh- Amy Schmidt was a resident teacher at the Insight Society in Bari and has been, was a student also of uh, Deepa Ma who lived in India. So she's a wonderful person to look up and find out about. She has quite a, quite a uh, difficult past history, and then she discovered meditation and her teacher and became enlightened in the most mundane and uh, even poverty uh, living She was a householder and just a great inspiration. So uh, in this, in the book written about her life and about her, the people who had experience with experiences in her presence and uh, how, how, what a good teacher she was for them. This chapter is called 10 Lessons to Live By. The story of Deepa Ma's 
spiritual unfolding is the archetypal tale of all who seek the way, the stages it describes, setting forth, making a commitment, facing and overcoming difficulties, finding freedom, and sharing one's discoveries with the world closely parallel those of the Buddha's own journey of transformation. After his great awakening under the Bodhi tree, the Buddha enunciated the Four Noble Truths. First, that suffering exists and is in fact the hallmark of all conditioned existence. Second, that its cause is attachment. Third, that it is possible to end suffering. And fourth, that there is a path which he spelled out in detail, that leads away from suffering to the cherished goal of liberation. Buddha's practice, simply put, is about ending suffering for ourselves and for all beings. It is this implicit promise that our own suffering can cease that first brings many of us to meditation practice, and it is Deepa Ma's life journey. It is Deepa Ma's life example that can give us the confidence to set forth on this journey. A woman, a mother, a householder, Deepa Ma makes the Buddhist path seem accessible and the great goal of freedom attainable in this very life. What follows are some of the lessons we can derive from Deepa Ma's essential teachings. May they be of help to you in your own journey of liberation. And these, uh, she says these are lessons, some of the lessons we can derive. So I don't know if Deepa Ma wrote these or, or uh, just this is what her students found. Lesson one, uh, she probably taught these as well. Choose one meditation practice and stick with it. If you want to progress in meditation, stay with one technique. For those beginning the spiritual, spiritual journey, Deepa Ma was adamant about commitment to one style of meditation. Don't give up and don't jump around from practice to practice. Find a technique that suits you and keep going until you find your edge. The edge is the point where difficulties start to arise. A common mistake many Western spiritual seekers spiritual seekers make is to interpret difficulties as a problem with a particular practice. Then when the going gets tough, the tough goes spiritual shopping. From the vantage point of that uncomfortable edge, some other practice always looks better. Maybe I should do Tibetan chanting or Sufi dancing. In fact, difficulties usually are a reliable sign that the practice is working. Take Deepa Ma's advice to heart. Stick with the practice you've chosen through difficulty and doubt, through inspiration and stagnation, through the inevitable ups and downs. If you can stay committed to your practice through the darkest of times, wisdom will dawn. Lesson two, meditate every day. Practice now. Don't think you will do more later. Deepa Ma stated firmly that if you want peace, you must practice regularly. She insisted that students find time for formal meditation practice every day 
even if only for five minutes. If that proved impossible, she advised, at least when you are in bed at night, notice just one in-breath and one out-breath before you fall asleep. Besides formal sitting on the cushion, Deepama urged students to make every moment of their lives a meditation. Many of them were busy people who found it difficult to set aside any time at all. Deepak Chaudhary told Deepama that it was impossible for him to practice because he had a very full schedule at the bank where he worked. He explained that he spent his work days doing calculations and that his job required him to be continually on the move, too busy and too restless even to think about meditation. Deepama wouldn't hear of this. She insisted that meditation is always possible, that it is not separate from life. If you are busy, then busyness is the meditation. She told him, when you do calculations, know that you are doing calculations. Meditation is to know what you are doing. If you are rushing to the office, then you should be mindful of rushing. When you are eating, putting on your shoes, your socks, your clothes, you must be mindful. It is all meditation. Even when you are cutting your nails, put your mind there. Know that you are cutting your nails. For Deepama, mindfulness wasn't something she did. It was who she was all the time. The best attitude with which to approach this practice, she said, is with trust and willingness. When your mind wanders, simply begin again. Deepama made it clear that there is nothing wrong with lapses of mindfulness. It happens to everyone. It is not a permanent problem. Don't worry. Just start again. Always maintain your effort, patience, and faith. Even when you lose energy and motivation, she advised, just notice that, then shift to another mindfulness practice, walking, awareness and ordinary activity, or sitting, in which more motivation is present. I think I can read maybe two more. Lesson three, any situation is workable. Each of us has enormous power. It can be used to help ourselves and help others. The Buddha left his wife and child in order to pursue his awakening. But Deepama, out of necessity, found her path to freedom within the context of motherhood and ordinary household life. Her message to women and men everywhere is that you don't have to leave your family to reach high states of spiritual understanding. You can be a spouse and parent and still pursue the Dhamma. Even though initially she thought that she would have to give up her daughter to go to a monastery and practice in solitude, Deepama came to understand that she could make her family part of the journey. Deepama's approach was a radical inclusiveness, everything and the kitchen sink. There is nothing ultimately to cling to in this world, Deepama taught, but we can make good use of everything in it. Life is not to be rejected. 
it is here. And as long as it is here, and we are here, we can make the best use of it. Deepama wasn't attached to a particular teacher, place, or lifestyle. The whole world was her monastery. Sharon Kreider remembers, At my idealistic age of 20, when I wanted to believe if I sat long enough with the right teacher, everything would be okay, she showed me it was about being awake to much more. She was an example of how to be a true mother to the world. To be a true mother is to feel life intensely. To be a true mother is to embrace whatever comes along with awareness and to make all circumstances my teacher. And I'll I'll read lesson four. Patience, practice patience. Practice, patience is one of the most important virtues for developing mindfulness and concentration. Patience is forged by constantly meeting the edge. If you stay with your meditation practice, it is inevitable that difficulties will arise. In the most challenging situations, merely showing up, being present, may be all that is possible, and it may be enough. Kate Wheeler recounts the effects of this kind of patience in Deepama's life. She had seen her mind go through every kind of suffering and was able to sit through it. Later, when she came out of that fire, there was something very determined, almost frightening about how she could look at you because she had seen herself. There was nowhere to hide. She she exemplified that you can't just sit around thinking about getting enlightened. You have to take hold of these truths at the deepest level of your heart. Deepama's daughter talks about her mother's patience. The day before she died, Rishi, who was Deepama's grandson, who was 11 at the time, was misbehaving when I was getting ready for work. I got very angry. I was trying to hit him, and he hid behind my mother. She wouldn't let me touch him. And he, uh, I was very upset and cried to her, You don't know how mad he has made me. I want to punish him. My mother came to me with a mild, slow voice and said, Deepa, you are my daughter, and you too were silly once. I did not throw you out of the house for being silly. She talked about being affectionate and patient and talking slowly. It was a teaching I still remember. Patience is a lifetime practiced practice to be developed and refined over time. According to Deepama, patience is essential in maturing the mind and therefore is one of the most important qualities to cultivate. In lesson five, and then we'll do the rest tomorrow, is called Free Your Mind. Your mind is all stories. Deepama did not say that the mind is mostly stories. She said that there is nothing in the mind but stories. These are the personal dramas that create and maintain the sense of individual identity, who we are, what we do, what we are, and are not capable of. Without our being aware of it, 
The endless series of such thoughts drives and limits our lives. And yet these stories are without substance. Deepa Ma challenged students' beliefs in their stories, their attachment to the stories. When someone said, I can't do that, she would ask, are you sure? Or who says? Or why not? She encouraged students to observe the stories to see their emptiness and to go beyond the limitations they impose. Let go of thinking, she urged. Meditation is not about thinking. At the same time, Deepa Ma taught that the mind is not an enemy to be gotten rid of. Rather, in the process of befriending the mind, in getting to know and accept it, it ceases to be a problem. Deepa Ma knew the freedom that follows that process. She lived in a state of thought-free awareness. In a group interview, Jack Cornfield innocently asked, what is it like in your mind? Deepama smiled, closed her eyes, and quietly answered, In my mind, there are three things. Concentration, loving kindness, and peace. Jack, not sure he had heard correctly, asked, Is that all? Yes, that is all, Deepama replied. The room was silent. Then there were a few sighs and quiet laughs, followed by Jack's barely audible whisper. How wonderful. So those are her first five lessons. And tomorrow we'll read uh, the next five. So thank you, everyone. Uh, It was a pleasure being with you, and I hope you're all doing well. So I'll see you tomorrow. May you be happy and peaceful.